0: Good morning church how you doing Good morning church how you doing
1: all right, everyone's
0: awake this morning. Welcome to Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday begins the Passion Week, all the events leading up to Jesus' death and resurrection. In the back of your notes, I'm sure everyone got a note. Um, there is a devotional that I'm doing this year to really prep my heart for um, the ultimate sacrifice that Jesus gave to us. So I encourage you to do it with me this week. Also, you received a palm branch. This palm branch, I want you to save to the altar time. So don't write on it. Don't write it on it yet. Just save it to the end. My name is Pastor Kayla I'm the pastor of children and family at the church. Thanks for the, thanks for that. Uh, My best friend came uh, from college to come, she she graduated a year after me and she came to support me in my preaching. So if you hear a lot of hollering, it's just my friend over there. Um, Thank you. So today we're going to talk about Jesus' triumphal entry and his death on the cross. So today, we're going to talk about the triumphal entry found in Matthew 21, 1-11. So if you can open up your Bibles, either e-form or tree form, in the pew in front of you, there's a Bible, 916, 916. So find it for me, Matthew 21, 1-11. Jesus comes to Jerusalem to declare himself king. Today I want to ask you the very same question, who's the king of your heart? Who is the king of your heart? Does Jesus have kingship of all areas, all aspects of your life? So we're going to read right here, Matthew 21, 1 through 11. Jesus' triumphal entry. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, go into the village and in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied in a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, and the foal of the beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Jesus' triumphal entry in this passage is coming into Jerusalem one week before his death and resurrection. The sole purpose of Jesus' coming was to secure our salvation. Our first point today is shalom. If Jesus was truly king of our heart, we would have shalom. Shalom is the word for peace. And in the Bible, shalom refers to an inward sense of completeness and wholeness. Do we have in our lives completeness and wholeness? Jesus came to bring peace. The crowd looked for a Messiah who would save them politically and nationally, but Jesus came to save them spiritually. There are three symbols in this passage of how Jesus came to declare his kingship in peace. The first is the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy, it's found in Zechariah 9 9 through 10, and Isaiah 62 through 11. All the scriptures from here on out will be on the screen, so I encourage you to look at them as we read. So in Zachariah says, rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem. And the battle bow shall be cut off. And he shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea and from river to the ends of the earth. In Isaiah, it says, Behold, the Lord has proclaimed to the end of the earth. Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your salvation comes. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. These prophecies are stating that Jesus will come triumphantly without the need of weaponry, without horses, without fighting. He came to bring the message of reconciliation. So the first way Jesus comes in peace is to fulfill Old Testament prophecies. The second is he rode a colt. He rode a donkey. Riding a donkey, if any king rode into a town or a city riding a donkey, it meant they came in peace. Now, if somebody coming into the town declaring kingship, um, riding a horse, meant they were coming for war. But Jesus rode a donkey so that everybody in the town would know he was coming in peace, in shalom. The great reign of Christ. Man looks for someone to fight their battles in this present day. God had the ultimate plan for Jesus coming to the earth to fight the final battle over death. He fought this battle through the ultimate sacrifice. So the first way Jesus comes to bring shalom in this passage is Old Testament prophecy. The second is he rode a donkey. And the third is the people laid down palm branches and cloaks. God's word says the palm branches and cloaks were laid before Jesus as he rode a donkey into Jerusalem. This symbolic meaning was a final victory over death. This was the act of submission and paid to royalty. So anytime anybody would come in, they would lay down cloaks or palm branches. This was showing that they submitted. They they acknowledged and they recognized that this person was going to become king. In Luke 19, 34 through 40, we're going to read this. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, teacher, rebuke the disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. In our society today, we can be honest and real and notice that a lot of areas in other people's lives don't have shalom. A lot of, a lot of people around us don't have Peace. Our world is growing ever so w- wicked with the centered, self-centeredness and the sins and the addictions that people are all caught up in. But that's what sets, sets us apart from any other belief system. We serve a God that is alive and active today. And he is the thing that keeps us steady no matter what we face. I'm sure today there are circumstances and situations that we are facing but with God. But God. Amen. Amen. With God, we can have the shalom. Even though this world rages with chaos and disorder, we can be a people that have his true shalom. In our society today, we, I pulled up some statistics. Bullying, one out of four students will be abused by another student. Depression is a leading cause of disability in the U.S. ages 15 to 44. 82 school shootings, incidents in the year 2018. One out of three women will experience domestic violence in their lifetime. 21 million people worldwide are victims of human trafficking. 19.5, 19.7 million Americans ages 12 and older are about with substance abuse. My God, my God, where is our world going today? I look in Romans 5, 1 through 5. It says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that our suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Jesus justified our sins by dying on the cross. We have this hope and we can rejoice knowing that no matter what suffering we go through, that produces an endurance and a character within us. We have this confidence that Christ died on the cross to justify our sins once and for all. With this hope in Jesus, we can endure all things. We are not left with hopelessness. We are left with hope and grace that Jesus gives us. The word Peace in this passage means harmony in relationships between men and between God. Harmony between nations, friendliness, order in the state. Even though this world is raging with conflict, sin, addictions, may we be a people who have faith, who rejoice in hope. Even though we face trials and circumstances and sufferings, that God would produce a godly character in us. The world may rage with chaos, but in our lives, if we have Jesus Christ in our hearts today, may we be a people to have peace, true shalom. Amen. Amen. Colossians 1, 19, 20. For God was pleased to have all his fulfillment dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. He not only came into Jerusalem declaring peace, but he died so that we would have peace. He paid the ultimate sacri- sacrifice so our lives could have shalom. Peace in this passage means to be a peacemaker, to be harmonizing. If Jesus was king of your heart, we would have shalom. The second point today, if Jesus king in your heart, we would be completely surrendered. Are we surrendered in all areas and aspects of our life? Is Jesus King? In Luke 19 41 through 47, Luke um, writes his, in his gospel that Jesus wept over the city. Why would Jesus weep? Before he entered into Jerusalem, he sat on the Kidron Valley and he looked over at the people and he wept. He wept because he knew that his people didn't have a shepherd. And he knew that his people were broken. He could see that his people were broken. There's only three instances in the New Testament that are recorded that Jesus wept. And we read here. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it. Saying, with that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make, make for peace. And now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you and when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you, and they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. Jesus was sorrowful because he knew that his people needed a shepherd. And then we're going to read um, in the accounts of how the people shouted Hosanna. The people shouted Hosanna to proclaim proclaim Christ as king. He knew, before he even came, he knew that some of the same people that were shouting Hosanna, declaring him king, would be just a few days later the same people that would betray him and shout crucify him. They didn't fully understand why Jesus had come. In Matthew 21, 9, it says, And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And in Mark 11, 9-10, And those who went before him and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. And in John it says, So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. When the people were shouting Hosanna, they were declaring Christ as king. The the, The people praised God for what they thought he would do, but he came to do so much greater. Hosanna means save we pray. It's praises, it's joy. The people cried, at the, cried out to the Lord's triumphal entry into Jerusalem. But they were some of the same people that shouted Hosanna, were some of the same people just a few days later portrayed him and were shouting, crucify him, crucify him. I want us to look at our lives today. Are we fully surrendered to the kingship of Jesus? Do we like the crowds at one moment we're saying praises and we're glorifying God, but then another moment of just a few days later, we're just like these people who our actions do not portray him. Our actions portray him and don't reflect a godly lifestyle. What areas of our lives do we need to give God access? Jesus wants to establish his kingship in our hearts today. He not only wants to give us shalom, but he wants to give us room to surrender. Does God have kingship in your homes, in your workplaces, maybe your schools, maybe you go to college with your kids, with your relatives, when you're alone, and in your spiritual life? Is Jesus truly king? Or are we like the crowd and say one thing and another? Our lives don't match up. I don't know about you, but in my life I have a drunk chore. Everybody, probably, if you were honest today, you have a junk drawer of some kind. A junk drawer is where we usually hide random things we don't want nobody to see. I'm sure you have a junk bucket. I've had the same junk bucket since I moved three times while being in New England. Still sitting in the garage and I haven't touched it since. Uh, Or you have a junk closet where you hide things or maybe a junk room. My mom used to have a junk trunk. She used to throw everything in her trunk. Um, If you invite me over to your house, I'm probably going to be that person that, like, scrimmaged through your drawers to find a pen. That's probably me. But a junk drawer is very similar in all of our lives, right? We always really have a junk drawer to hide things we don't want to look at. We put them to the side. We ignore them. We don't even look at them. But today I want to talk about our spiritual junk drawer. What does your spiritual junk drawer look like? What are some areas in our life today that we're, we're hiding from God, we're hiding from others, That we just don't want to look at. We hold on tight and control, but yet we don't want to look at. What are the areas in our life that we're not willing to give God kingship? In this drawer, I have brought some items that are similar to my testimony and maybe you can relate to. Maybe what is in this uh, junk drawer doesn't resemble what you're going through. But you can think of a few things that might be in this junk drawer that you're not willing to surrender to God. So some of the things I have, maybe you're not willing to surrender to God in your workplace. Where you work each and every day. Who you may or may not witness to or may not be the light in. Maybe you have a fractured relationship with a loved one, with your spouse. Maybe there's tension. Maybe it's a, it's a loss of someone in your life. Maybe someone died and you're feeling pretty hopeless. And you're not willing to surrender to God so that he can rescue you. Maybe it's a medical issue. Maybe it's a sickness or maybe it's um, physical problems in your life that you're not willing to surrender. Maybe it's in your finances. I know finances are a really touchy subject. But maybe we're not willing to surrender to God in our finances. Maybe it's bills that come in the, bill, in the mail that we're not, we don't know how to pay. Maybe it's with our children. We're not willing to surrender our children to the Lord. Maybe it's self-medicating. Maybe we're we're trying to do it on our own and not surrender to God. And we're trying to figure out the answers for ourselves. Whatever it might be, I feel pressing on my heart that we're honest with ourselves today and with with each other. That we really evaluate ourselves. Does Jesus have full kingship of our lives? As I was praying for this message, the Lord struck on my heart. He said, Caitlin, if you would surrender some of the things in your life, you would have shalom in that area. The very area we don't have shalom and the very area in our lives that have chaos are the very areas we're not willing to surrender. So today, if you want true shalom, even though this world grows ever so wicked in the chaos around us, if you want shalom, maybe each and every day, maybe it's anxiety or stress or worry or there are things you don't know how to face. Those very things that you hold so tightly onto, it feels like in the moment that control is what you need, but really what you need is to surrender to Jesus so that you have shalom. What areas of your life do you need to shalom? What areas of your life do you need to surrender to Jesus? Jesus wants to be the king of your heart. He paid it all. He died an excruciatingly painful death knowing that when he came, came to the earth, he knew he would die. For each one of us. Knowing just like these people in the crowd. These people in the crowd said one thing but their actions did it completely other. May we be a people that what we say, our actions follow what we're saying. And we give Jesus full kingship. Job's friend challenged Job in this way. In 11, Job 11, 13 through 18. I would like us to be challenged in the same way that Job's friend challenged him. Surrender your heart to God. Turn to him in prayer and give up your sins. Even those you do in secret, then you won't be ashamed. You will be confident and fearless. Your troubles will go away like water beneath a bridge. And your darkest night will be brighter than noon. You will rest safe and secure, filled with hope and emptied of worried. Let that be a challenge to us. Let that speak to our hearts. Surrender your heart to God. Do we surrender? Do we turn to him in prayer and give up our sins, even those that are done in secret? We can go to God in confidence. A lot of us sometimes when we go through things or situations or circumstances, we may be afraid to go to God. I'm like, God doesn't know. I want you to know today when I was praying for this message that some of you in this room feel condemnation or they feel they've gone so far from God that they can't turn to him. I want you to know today you've not gone too far Jesus wants to wave his grace and his mercy and his love over you he died the most painful death so that you could be set free physically and spiritually Jesus wants you to know you've not gone too far so our first point today if Jesus was king of your heart you would have shalom true completeness true inward wholeness second was surrender if Jesus was king of your heart, you would be willing to surrender the most inward parts of you that nobody else knows. Third, if Jesus was king in your heart, you would understand and know the true sacrifice that Jesus had paid on the cross. We're going to read in Philippians 2, 1-10. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit any affection and sympathy complete my joy by being of the same mind having the same love being in full accord and of one mind do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit but in humility count others more significant than yourselves let each of you not only look i'm sorry let each of you look not only to his own interests but to the interests of others have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a certain servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God was Highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus paid the ultimate sacrifice so that we could be free. He was obedient to the point of death. To die by crucifixion was to plummet to the lowest depths. Of disgrace. It was punishment reserved for those who were deemed most unfit to live, a punishment for those who were subhuman. Jesus paid it all. As we reflect on the cross, the pain that he endured, may we be a people that are set free. May we take this sacrifice and acknowledge and praise him and give him glory and know that we can live a life that is free. I see so many people each and every day as I go about doing ministry that are just riddled, just riddled with problems and circumstances and situations that they can't face. And I'm just reminded today that Jesus paid it all. I might not have the answer to what you're going through, but I do have the one that has the answer, and that is Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus Christ paid it all so that we can live a life for him. All we have to do is surrender it. In Romans 12, 1 through 2, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by the testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. The author is asking us in this passage to consecrate ourselves wholly to God. What are we willing to sacrifice today? If we look at our lives, are we close to God or are we furthest than we've ever been to God? This is something I ask myself all the time because I'm always pressing to grow closer to God. But as we press to close closer to God, I have realized that there are some things that we might need to give up. Some patterns of this world that have tainted our walk with him that are drifting us further and further away from him. What are the patterns in our life that we can look at and say, that's not really godly. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by God. For the new of your mind. May our minds, may our spirits, may our bodies be renewed today in God. How do you develop a godly pattern? So, today's actions result in tomorrow's habits. Tomorrow's habits produces a lifestyle. This lifestyle develops into your destiny. Look at this again. Today's actions result in tomorrow's habits. Tomorrow's habits produces a lifestyle. That lifestyle develops into your destiny. What are your actions today? What we do today really, really does matter. Our habits, what are our habits like? If God were to hone into your home and in your secret place, would he he approve of your lifestyle? Would your lifestyle shine Jesus Christ or would it shine selfishness self-centeredness and not surrender? Some studies say a a few years ago, it took 22 days to develop a habit. Nowadays, the most current study is it says 66 days to develop a habit. 66 days to develop a habit i'm not sure if any of you are doing new year's resolutions i do and in the top three is going to the gym if anybody's with me i haven't conquered it yet i know i'm getting there um i don't know if any of you else have new year's resolutions but when you go to the gym in january it's packed your favorite ellipticals taken favorite spin bike taken And then mid February, you go to the gym and you're like, where are all the people at? It's because nobody stuck it out long enough to create a habit that was actually a healthy lifestyle. So, in our lives today, what actions are we doing day to day that creates a a habit that represents a godly lifestyle? What are your actions today? What are your habits like? What are your lifestyle? What is even your destiny? I know I ponder that often, like, God, where am I going? I'm always headed to the next thing and I have a hard time resting in the moment. But I'm like, what is my destiny, God? I always want the answer. But then God struck me and he was like, Caitlin, what are you doing today to develop your destiny? So what you do today really does impact your future. Not only your future, but the people around you's future. What are your actions today? What are your habits like? What What is your lifestyle like? What's your destiny As believers, we should see the things of the world, even though they may be alluring, they lead to death and not life. The things of this world seem to be of great value, but when compared to God, they're nothing. What we do today really does affect our tomorrow. The actions we take do result in our habits tomorrow. Are we living a life that is sacrificial to God? Or are we more in love with things and stuff of this world? I'm going to read that again. Are we living a life that is truly sacrificial to God or are we more in love with things and stuff of this world and this passage is telling us do not love the world or the things in the world the love of the father is not in him what are some things in our life if we did a real honest evaluation that are like that can go that can go i think you know spring is coming let's clean let's clean our houses Amen, let's clean our spiritual houses. God wants to have an intimate, ongoing relationship with us. But some of the things that we have allowed, they got to go. Even in my life, you know, so often so many people tell me like, oh, you're a pastor, you don't understand. No, I've been there. I've been there. I know some of the circumstances and situations that have happened. And I'm going to give you my testimony. When I was in college... Before I tell my testimony, I just want to say that being vulnerable and honest is very difficult for me. If you're a close friend with mine, I don't open up a lot. But I believe today, I'm going to set the example that when we're honest and when we're vulnerable, that's when transformation happens. We can't hide anymore. we got to get the things out of our spiritual junk door and lay them at the cross so that we can be on fire Christians, that nothing hinders our walk with him. So I'm going to give you my testimony in sophomore year of college Uh, I don't know if any of you can relate, but I had one year where if anything and everything could go wrong, it went wrong. And so sophomore year of college, I'm going to give you a laundry list of all the things that happened within months apart. Uh, My father and my brother, they severed their relationship with me, no longer in communication. Uh, Someone in my church back home passed away that I was super, super close to. Uh, My body just got a huge sickness and was riddled um, with this sickness. My back completely gave out. I could barely walk. And on top of all that, my eyesight went and I had to get surgery before I went blind. And these are all the things that happened like really close together. And I was in Papa College, so obviously the thing you do is pray, right? That's what you do, you pray. So I prayed and I spent about a month and a half praying and I was really interceding, I was really genuine. And people come up to me and go, are you okay? Like I was praying so loud, people were like, are you okay? Do you need help? Do you need something? In our Christian walk, we should always say yes. But at the moment in myself and my pride, I said, no, I got this. I'm going to do it on my own. And if my encouragement to you today, you don't have to do it alone. We are here for you. Whatever you go through in circumstances and situations, we are here for you. You don't have to journey this faith alone. So learn from my mistake. Um, So I prayed, and it was about a month and a half, and I didn't get the answers I wanted. I said, God, I want an answer right now. And I didn't receive that answer and I believe God was trying to show me that I had to rely on him but I didn't want to rely on him so if I give you an example here today the cross is our representation of our walk with Jesus my actions started out and my habits were to pray to read God's Word to seek him and that's where I started out but once I saw that God wasn't gonna show up I decided to show up for myself and my lifestyle started to shift And I started to walk further and further away from God because I thought I could do it on my own. I thought since I didn't have that instant answer to my prayer request, I got this. I'm going to do it on my own. And I found myself in a lifestyle that was furthest from God that I had ever been. If I would have just waited a little bit longer at the prayer room, if I would have just surrendered these things. But I decided I'm not going to surrender. You didn't answer me when I wanted it. So I'm going to do what I want. And I found myself... Further and further and further away from the cross. These things represented a weight in my life, all the things that I decided I was going to carry. So I was carrying the grief of someone I loved. I had sickness that raged my body. I had a broken relationship. I can go on and on. These are just some things that in my life that I decided that I was gonna carry. Jesus never, never expected us to carry these things on our own, but I decided that I was gonna take these weights upon myself. And my lifestyle was furthest from God that it had ever been. And in Hebrews 12, 1 through 2, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let us run for the endurance the race that's set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of God. In this passage, the writer was writing to a people who were loved athletic races. This was something common that we can relate to, too. We know what a race is. We know what the Olympics are. And when you go to a race to run, you wear minimal clothing. And these people did as well. When they went to the race, they wore long robes. When they were about to run, they took off the robe. And what Jesus wants us to know today, he wants us to take off the weight that we've been carrying. He doesn't want us to carry these things. I don't know what you might be going through. Maybe you're going through a loss. Maybe you're going through financial issues. Maybe you're having trouble in your marriage. Maybe you're having trouble with your children. Maybe you have a medical issue. Or maybe you have bills you can't pay. Whatever you're going through, this weight is so heavy on you. You can't run the race. If I'm over here, I can't run efficiently. I can't pursue God with everything inside of me because this weight that weighs me down. Jesus wants you to know today that you don't have to carry this weight. Jesus paid it all the most painful deaths you could ever imagine so you wouldn't have to carry this weight. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's a sin. If we look at our, evaluate our lifestyles and our habits today, what do we need to give up so we can go closer to God? Jesus says take it off and lay it at the cross. And that's what we're going to do today. You received a palm branch. I want you to get that palm branch out. And I want us to really pray. I don't want anybody to go anywhere at this moment. I want everyone to write something down. Today, if you need shalom, if you need God's everlasting peace in your life, if you have anxiety or worry or stress, I want you to write the word Shalom and I want to I want you to write what for where in your life. Maybe you need to surrender. Maybe some of these things that I said today or maybe some things in your life that you need to surrender to God. You're like, God, I can't carry this weight anymore. I want you to write the word surrender and write where for. Maybe today Jesus, the sacrifice speaks to you in volumes you never knew could be possible. Maybe you need to sacrifice a habit or a lifestyle in your life that's hindering you from walking closer to God. I want you to write the word sacrifice and write where you need to sacrifice. Once you write these things and you pray and you earnestly seek God, I want everybody to come forward. And I want you to lay these things at the altar and symbolizing I give it to you. I act of submission. I give it to you. I can't carry this any longer. We were never meant to carry these things. We were meant as Christians to lay them at the feet of Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. I'm going to pray, and I want you to write these things and then bring them forward and lay them at the cross. Dear Jesus, God, we thank you so much for your ultimate sacrifice. God, that we can have true shalom in our life. I pray if there's anybody in this room that needs your shalom, God, your everlasting shalom be spread upon this sanctuary. God, your presence would fill each and every person. If we need to surrender today, God, I pray you bring to our hearts what we need to surrender, that we will lay it at your feet. Jesus, we would give it all. We wouldn't hold back control. We wouldn't harbor any feelings. But God, we would give it to you. God, as we look at your ultimate sacrifice and we evaluate our lives, maybe there's a habit or a lifestyle that's not producing godly destiny, that we need to sacrifice, I pray you would bring it to us. Jesus. who you are. God, make us a great light in our community even though chaos may rage around us, that we would have shalom today that we would lay at your feet each and every day the things that cause us worry, that cause us stress. Jesus, we give you our lives today. We thank you for the ultimate sacrifice you paid on the cross so that we can be set free and set on fire for you. And God, I praise. we leave this church, we will be transformed by your gospel. Jesus, I allow your presence to be in us your anointing. Jesus, we need you. We can't live each and every day without you. Jesus, we need you. God, may that be a reflection of each and every day that we live. We need you. We are not sufficient in ourselves, but we need you. God, we thank you once more for the sacrifice. We thank you for coming. God, your presence go with us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. May I go on the Lord. Thank you for coming today, guys.